And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And I am so excited today because we have a repeat guest because she has so much absolutely fabulous information to impart that we have to have her on several times just to even begin to get her wealth of knowledge. And in fact, there's so much that we're doing a two-part program. So today is part one. Next week will be part two. So if you're listening to the archive, make sure you you listen to all of the parts, where you know whichever part you're listening to, because it really is great information. And we're, we're going to have so much fun talking today with Sandy Jones-Kaminsky. So again, welcome back to the program, Sandy. Thanks, Deb. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on again. I had so much fun the last few times we've talked, and I'm happy to share what I can I today. You do. You have such great information. And you are yet another one of these people who I've only met on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it never fails. I have people who tell me, and I'm sure they tell you, social media is a waste of time, mm-hmm. doesn't work for business, yada, 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 yada. And, you know, I've made some of the best business contacts I have through social media and it doesn't matter if it's LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. It's just a matter of working it. You know, you, you have to do this to, to get things to work. Yeah. And I think it's also about attitude, right? I mean, right. It's, if you're right. going to go into it thinking that, then that's what's going to happen. But if you go mm-hmm. into it with an open orientation and a positive expectation of it, great things happen. Cause I have had similar experiences to you. Some right. of my best contacts today, these days, are people I first became acquainted with uh, through social. Right, right. You know, and, and it's great if you actually meet them in person, and hopefully you and I will meet in person someday. But if not, you know, we just have a, a great time online. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, for those who don't know about you or don't remember from the last time, let me go ahead and, and tell them a little bit about you. So again, I'm talking with Sandy Jones-Kaminsky, the Chief Connecting Officer and founder of Bella Domain Media. Sandy is a LinkedIn-approved trainer, marketing strategist, and international speaker. She's also the author of the number one pick on the Inc.com 2010 business book wish list. The book is titled, I'm at a Networking Event. Now What? A Guide to Making the Most Out of Any Networking Event. I've read this book. It's a must-read, folks. Thank you. <laughs> She helps small to mid-sized businesses, entrepreneurs, and corporate executives generate more leads, buzz, and connections by teaching them how to use networking and social tools as marketing levers to optimize their online presence and boost the value of their professional brand online and offline. You can contact Sally, uh, Sally, Sandy at belladomainmedia.com. So again, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks, Tim. So great. Thanks for that awesome intro. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's always such fun reading all this great information about people. And then, you know, especially when I get their name right. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. It's funny. That was a common mistake I had all through my young adulthood, right? Uh-huh. Sally. Yeah, and you're like, no. Sally. And it always made me think of peanuts, right? And Charlie Brown. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Most definitely. Well, and, and Somebody stuck me with Karen one time and, okay. and I, they called me Karen forever. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I just, I learned that when they said Karen, they met me and, and it didn't matter if I corrected them. I just, yeah. And, and they'd introduce me as Karen and then I, you know, correct that. But yeah, yeah they just, yeah. And, and, and all, I just, names are such funny things. Okay. So, but well, as I mentioned at the start of the program, we're going to do, this as a two part one. So people are saying, well, what's part one and what's part two? You'll find out at the end what part two is. But today we're going to talk with Sandy about the myths around content marketing. What is it and what it isn't? 
we're going to discuss how identifying and or curating good content has everything to do with content marketing and little to do with whether you're a writer or not. We're also going to learn how to spot and source shareworthy content and how you can make your social media marketing extraordinary. Finally, we're going to talk about how storytelling is an important part of our daily lives and why starting to record or write down your take on things takes just a little getting used to and practice. So, yeah, this we, we have a compact hour. We're really going to rush to get through this because it's so great. But, you know, we talk about content marketing. Mm -hmm. What is it? What do you define content marketing as? Well, I define it as the process of creating and sharing uh, valuable and usually free information, right? To attract okay. and convert prospects, you know, into your customers and maybe current customers or clients into repeat buyers. Okay. So, you know, content can be all sorts of things. It can be come in the form of uh, words. It can come in the form of video, right? It can come in the form of quotes or infographics. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all sorts of content out there, which we're very lucky. You know, we're living in a time when we have all of these things to use as tools mm -hmm. to uh, boost our marketing efforts. Is it important to use a variety? You know, you mentioned, you know, infographics and video and, and obviously just like straight text posts. Do you think it's important to have a mix of all of those? Absolutely. I think that's what keeps an audience engaged, right? I mean, there's something to be said for consistency. And if you sort of become known as the um, Dilbert quote sharer, right? Cartoon sharer, mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing. But introducing other forms of clever or interesting content here and there just sort of... Um, you know, shakes up your stream a little bit, if you will, right? Your content stream. Right. So I think that sometimes you find something that really works for you. And some, for some people, it's video, right? They do everything mm -hmm. through video. And they're just more comfortable with that because they're not really comfortable with their writing skills or mm -hmm. whatever. And I think that's fine. But like I said, I think it's good to mix it up once in a while. Right. Well, and, and people learn and absorb differently. You know, some exactly. people have to read it. Um, you know, and, and then like video, you can't always watch a video. It exactly. depends on where you are. Right. You know, if you're in a busy office or, you know, maybe you're, you're doing this at night while you're watching TV. So, you know, it, it is good to mix things up. Right. And it, and it's a good thing to test different things, right? Because mm -hmm. maybe you're getting a certain level of engagement with infographics, but mm -hmm. what happens when you introduce a video? Does that create more engagement, perhaps, right? More like more likes, more shares, mm -hmm. more comments. So I think that's the other reason as well. But I, I mean, you're right, that point about people learn differently, and people have different preferences, too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the myths about content marketing? Well, I think there's a myth out there that um, not everybody is really doing this, right? That it's something that only elite companies or really wordy people, right? <laughs> Verbose mm -hmm. people, let's say, right. are doing it. And it's not true, right? The uh, recent research I saw recently said that 86% of businesses today are using some form of content marketing. And maybe mm -hmm. some of that percentage don't even think about it as that, but that's really what it is. It's, and again, it's this, how do you define that, right? Well, content marketing, again, is creating and sharing valuable, you know, at least the somewhat valuable information with your target audience. Uh -huh. So anytime somebody is writing a blog post or um, sharing an article with some, an introduction, maybe it's an article about their industry or even an upcoming conference they're going to, right? Social Media West is happening uh, this coming weekend and there's mm -hmm. tons of people sharing stuff around that. So you'll see that on social, right? Via hashtags or whatever, right. that all of a sudden the content that's being shared has everything to do with a particular event or 
um, tips for like, I jumped on this and took advantage of it, right? That I shared a lot of my networking articles about, especially for networking at conferences and networking mm -hmm. when you're solo and use, oh, that, right. and use that hashtag for this weekend. Uh -huh. And was seeing a, I'm seeing a lot of engagement around those being shared and commented on because it's timely and I hashtagged it with the hashtag for that particular conference. Mm -hmm. So that's another way to, you know, really get your content distributed or repurpose some of that evergreen right. content you have. Uh-huh. You know, it was interesting. It was, uh, you know, just last week or so, I saw some of the, one of the big name marketing people he wrote a, a, a you know a comment on Facebook or a post and and he said on Facebook you should never write more than two sentences. Mm. He said people aren't going to read any more than that. And I thought it was interesting because it, it obviously caught my attention. Sure. But you know his point was you might have to do a bunch of posts to get what you're saying said. Mm. And I didn't like that yeah. because I thought well what if you start in the middle? You know, and, and you're thinking, what the heck is he talking about? But, you know, his his point was we're all very busy. We skim stuff. We just read very quickly. And, you know, and, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, because then then you have the opposite. You have the people who write and write and write. And you're thinking, I can't read all of right. this. What do you think? And, and there's no formula. There's no perfect, you know, it should be 200 words. And, and because it depends on your industry. It depends on who's following you, all of those various things. But I just thought it was interesting that he said you should never write a Facebook post longer than two sentences. He said if it has to do the read more, keep reading or whatever it says, you shouldn't do it. And, you know, and of course, my posts are usually longer than that. And so maybe that's why I take exception. But I just I was curious about that. Well, I mean, I think that is personal preference. Mm -hmm. And, and not, well, I can't even say industry, right? Because sometimes a topic has a lot of meat to it, right? And you need right. to explain. And I think that's of the of the school of people that want to do series, right? They, they advocate mm -hmm. that you should do a series of posts. And that's really, to me, very much about just trying to stretch out your content, right? right. Trying to stretch out something. And I understand that. And maybe that has some merit for certain types of audiences. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, if you know your audience, you know what, they prefer and how they like to ingest your content, right? Uh -huh. Kind of the, the what you learn by doing this, by getting involved in this and making sure you're doing it consistently. You start to learn and you start to try different things and you see what people respond to. And I know that, you know, some of the most popular content sites out there like HuffPo and a few of the others, some of them even give you how much time it'll take to read the article. Right. Right. So that tells me that there is no hard and fast rule that it's personal preference. And some people mm -hmm. are looking for something more meaty to read because maybe they're on the treadmill and they mm -hmm. don't really want to be flipping around. They actually want to mm -hmm. you know, take something in that teaches them something. Right. So I think that, you know, we know there's a, a swing a dead cat and you're going to hit an expert on content marketing, just like social media marketing, right? So mm -hmm. I think everyone has an opinion and they're entitled to them, but you have to go with what you think your audience prefers and what they've right. responded to. Well, and, and to me, Twitter is where you're short. I mean, you're forced to be short. Right. You, you just, you know, and, and, and so that, you know, that statement would have obviously been, been good there, mm -hmm. but on Facebook and, and on LinkedIn, I think people are there for more. You yeah. know, they, they don't want that short. You know, if they wanted short, they would just be focusing on Twitter. So it, was, it really was an odd statement that he was making. It just, and, and it generated quite a bit of discussion. And, you know, I think most people pretty much disagreed with him. Yeah. But it was, it was just kind of interesting that he had that take on it. And was the discussion happening on Facebook? It, it, pardon me? Was the dis, this discussion happening on Facebook? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah. Well, so he, yeah, I mean, it was, I'm sure he got answers back that were longer than what he preferred. Oh, right? definitely. You know, and, 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 and it's funny because I haven't gone back now to see if he's keeping short and sweet, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I mean, 
my thought process was those first two sentences have got to capture your attention. Right. Because then you will read more because in essence, they're the headline of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and if, if that first little bit doesn't interest me, then I'm not going to continue reading. And, you know, so maybe that was more what he was trying to get across. But at the same point, it was like, Hmm. Yeah. This was, this was just kind of bizarre. Yeah. And I think so, it's got anyhow. to do with demographics too. Right. Mm-hmm. I think we know that some people have, uh, shorter attention spans than others. Mm-hmm. Some right. people are good skimmers, speed readers, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that it depends on the individuals. And like I said, none of his opinion doesn't matter because it's what you know your audience mm-hmm. prefers that matters. And, yeah. And that's what we really want to focus on. The fact is you're not writing it for yourself. Exactly. You're writing it for the people who are reading it. Right. Yeah. And I think another myth that I wanted to bring up is you know, whether there's a difference between content marketing and copywriting, because I've encountered right. this quite a bit that people think, well, isn't that just about get, using some good copywriters? And it's definitely not the case, right? That mm-hmm. you know, the reality is content marketers use things like blogs and podcasts and video and even social media sites as their vehicle, right? To sort of distribute Mm-hmm. information. And copywriters tend to be focused more on today anyway, right? For the digital world, writing those uh, compelling headlines, right? To your right. point earlier about mm-hmm. tweets. I mean, that's what's interesting about Twitter is you've got to get really good at making um, that tweet titillating, right? So that people click mm-hmm. on that link. And it's also for copywriters, it's about writing those landing pages that you know, create some stickiness and get people to Uh look at more pages. And then writing conversion-driven emails, right? That's Mm -hmm. a really important part of what copywriters do. So it's not, right, they're not the same, that there's very Mm -hmm. different expertise that gets developed. And it's good for both to be familiar, right, with both disciplines kind of a thing. But it's really, they're not the same thing. That today we've seen that, people be distinguished very differently for those skills. Well, and to me, your social media posts, and especially Facebook, it should be more conversational. And copywriting is more like an article. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's got more details, it's got more information, all those things. And, and you know, and, and to me, I, I write my Facebook posts almost like I'm just sitting there talking to the right, person. right. And, you know, and, and I think that's, you know, I hope that makes it more interesting and why people want to read that. And, and I think that's where people get caught up in, you know, especially the people who are, I don't know what to write. I don't know how to write it. I tell them, think of it as you're just talking to someone, you know, this doesn't, it, it, yeah, it should be grammatically correct and, and things like that. But it is more like you're just, because you, you in actuality want to generate that conversation. You want them to comment and, you know, and then you need to respond. Don't just you know, let it go off right. out there. And, you know, it, it is one of those things that it takes, it takes time to develop. And again, it's like you said, it all depends on who's reading it. Do they want more pithy comments? Do they want more specific details? All of those things. And, and, you know, sometimes it takes time to find that. Right. It definitely does. And your audience can change over time too, right? If you introduce a new topic, mm-hmm. if you introduce, um, a new platform, right. To what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you have to get used to how that platform might differ and how people on that platform respond to content. Mm -hmm. You know, when LinkedIn started the publishing right sector, right. Section of the, their Mm -hmm. site. I mean, that was so interesting. I was in on that beta when they first launched it and Mm -hmm. there weren't as many voices. So you were really able to kind of look around and see what people were doing. But once they opened up the publishing capability to everyone, you see all sorts of crap for lack of Mm -hmm. a better word, right? right? On there now that has nothing to do with creating conversation or storytelling or insight sharing or any of that. It's all promotion. Mm -hmm. It's all self-promotion or thinly veiled self-promotion. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's a place for that at the end of your post on that platform, right? Where you sort of explain who you are and why you're writing about what you write about. Mm -hmm. But it's very interesting, right? To see how even platforms change over time, right? How Mm -hmm. 
people use them differently. And I know there's been some talk about Twitter even trying to uh, expand, right? There was some consideration that they were going to expand the number of characters and people sort of went crazy because, Oh yeah, they, they they really pushed back. mm -hmm. So, and I think that's because there's certain audiences that prefer that stream, right? They want Mm -hmm. that content that way. And then they decide if they want to get more and go deeper. Mm -hmm. But I think you touched on too, I know we're going to talk about this some more, but this whole idea about getting more comfortable with using storytelling Mm -hmm. and that sort of conversational way of communicating your thoughts and insights and ideas, right? That so many of us do this all the time in our personal lives every day, right? Whether we're on the phone with a friend or they're we're speaking to a church group or whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that audiences or the receivers get a little more interested when you share it from a story perspective. Right. Yeah. It it helps them relate to you. You know, maybe whatever you're talking about, you know, has happened to them, happened to somebody they know, whatever. It just, it, it brings it down, not to their level, but the same level. Yeah. And it, and it's just, it makes me think about um, this idea of how you use, people use case studies a lot in business, right? right? To bring it back to business. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's what that was, was you were telling the story of a client's experience with your product or service. Mm -hmm. And that's what, and people were interested in those, you know, that used to be the top number one uh, form of content marketing out there. Mm -hmm. That's all anybody ever did was case studies. Now we know things have changed radically and we've got webinars and webcasts now and white papers, you know, those have been around a while too, and videos and Facebook posts and all that. There's so much more to choose from. But telling the story has always been at the core of most of this. And that's what mm-hmm. usually yields the best results. So, I mean, I could go on about myths about this because another myth that I wanted to talk about was just what is the most effective um you know, based on research from the Content Mm -hmm. Marketing Institute, they did this study to find out what people viewed as the most effective forms of content marketing, including things like webinars, webcasts, case studies, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Well, the number one thing was in-person networking. Of course. I know, right? You and I know that, but Mm -hmm. we know there's lots of reluctant networkers out there. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure we talked about that today because it was rated higher right? 75% effective compared to the second highest, which was webinars and webcasts at only 66%. So most people recognize that they have the best results when they're out there engaging face-to-face with people and telling stories because that's what you're doing. You're not standing or giving a sales pitch. Nobody can get away with that right anymore. You can't just stand there and launch into an elevator pitch. People Mm -hmm. will like turn around and walk away. You have to be compelling and engaging, and that usually involves you telling stories and talking about, you know, your experience with what it is you're working on or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a good thing to share, and I've got a blog post about that on LinkedIn Ooh, right now I love with it. the graphic, too. So there's some good mm-hmm. stuff in there. You know, I just wanted to expand on that a little bit and help people understand that, you know, what they can do as at in-person networking events instead Mm -hmm. of what most people have thought it was. And it's that launching into elevator pitches and stuff. Well, and I think a lot of people have the the misperception that they can just transition that straight to social. And I mean, there is there, you know, there are some benefits, you know, if I go to a networking meeting, you know, it's an hour drive, it's an hour and a half there. It's an hour drive back. You know, was that time really valuable? And, and, you know, I could have been doing so much more, even if it was just on LinkedIn, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that's then where you have to stop and think, okay, yes, online is valuable. And obviously we wouldn't be doing what we do if, if, you know, it wasn't valuable. But at the same point, I think we need to really make sure that we evaluate. And and I know this is one of the things you talk about in, in your book the right networking things. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just, oh, I have to go to this meeting because it's the, the local chamber. Well, maybe that's not the right place to be. And so that's why you're thinking, okay, it's an hour drive. It's a, you know, all right. those things. So really sit down and think, where do I need to put my little face mm-hmm. 
and where can I just do online or, you know, whatever. Right. And, and I, yes, thank you for bringing it. It's in my book. I talk about this because I find that when people go to events where it's all their competition, right? If you're a marketer Mm -hmm. and you go to the American marketing (laughs) association meetings every month, of course, it's going to feel frustrating because Mm -hmm. you're talking to most of your competitors right? or other people that are looking for the same job as you. So that's not the best situation to put yourself Mm -hmm. in. I always recommend, you know, going in to situations where you're unique, you know, you stand out Mm -hmm. because what you're doing is a lot different than maybe what all those other folks are doing, right? Mm -hmm. And just being able to learn from them or share some of your knowledge about social media, as an example, right, with them, right? Going Mm -hmm. to a different group uh, really can make you stand out and open up your network in a way you hadn't expected, right? So Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I mean, that's, Again, if you are dreading it, is usually the word I use. Right? It's like mm-hmm. If you're dreading yeah. it, there's a reason why. Figure out what that is and stop mm-hmm. it, you know, like, or change it up because mm-hmm. that's not the way that should be. Right. You know, figure out why you don't like it, you know, and, and, and I mean, there's still the, you know, I, I love going to industry specific, you know, like you mentioned the marketing association, because there's usually good education and right. things like that. But, but then you're going for the education, you're not going for the networking, right. um, you know, so be clear about why you're there. And I think that's why so many people aren't successful at in-person networking or, you know, online networking, whichever it is. Because they haven't defined why they're there, what their goals are, and how they're going to accomplish that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I write about all that in my book. Like, don't mm-hmm. go to any networking event without goals. Like, that's crazy. Right. And mm-hmm. the idea of what the goals are aren't necessarily get 20 business cards so I can spam people with my email newsletter. Mm-hmm. Right? They're more oriented towards seeing if you can offer help to other people. You know, if there's things you can learn, right, to your point, sometimes you Mm -hmm. go to those things because there's a speaker that you really want to hear. I usually say to people, make sure that you go, and I do this personally, there have to be at least two reasons for me to go. Right. Right. One of them might be to hear some new knowledge because there's a great Mm -hmm. speaker. The other one might be because I'm going to meet up with an online friend of mine Mm -hmm. who I want to meet in person, right? right? I'll use a venue or an event as an excuse to do that. Or it might be that I just want to see that venue, right? Sometimes I go mm-hmm. to events because it's a new, cool place. Uh-huh. And I want to check it out for my PIF parties, right? When I have my pay-it-forward parties right. in the future. Mm-hmm. So I always make sure that I'm motivated by at least two things mm-hmm. so that I'm, you know, when the day of and it's raining and gross, I'm not changing my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially meeting other people there, right? I think that's a great way to deepen connections with clients, with, you know, collaborators, whatever it might be using that. And sometimes I'll offer to buy someone's ticket because mm-hmm. they're, maybe they're a client and I just want them to see me in action, right? Or mm-hmm. I want them right. to hear the speaker because it will really mm-hmm. help them understand content marketing, for example, or something mm-hmm. like that. So you can use them much more effectively than many of us have been in the past. Right. And and like you said, you you think about it before you go and make them realistic. Um, you know, and, and, it, and it does need to be something that is, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, personal education or whatever, you, it needs to be an achievable goal. I've you know, mentioned this a couple of times in my program throughout the years. I was at a, a networking event in Denver one time and it was big. I mean, there were several hundred people there. I mean, this was this was a fairly big event at a cool venue. We were at the zoo, you know, and, and so all these things. And I was standing with a group of people and, and, you know, we were chatting and this woman rushed up and literally thrust her business card at all of us and rushed away. And we're all standing there going. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and so one of them went and grabbed her and brought her back and said, wait, wait, you know, what, what gives? And she laughs and she says, oh, I got a, a brand new box of business cards today. And I bet my husband, I could give all of them out. And away she went. Oh my God. That was her goal. <laughs> now that was the stupidest goal I'd ever heard <laughs> yeah. of because we all looked at her card and threw it on the table. Yeah. It didn't matter if we needed her services or if she would have been a great business partner or any of those things. We just went, nope, not going to happen. Yeah, you were immediately turned off, you know. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, and and I'm sure she gave away 250 business cards, and then the next day thought, 
well, that was a waste, or, you know, the next week, that that was a waste of time. I got no clients out of this. Nobody inquired. And, you know, it was because we all went, what the heck? Um, you know, and, and, and the same goes with online. You know, the information you're providing has got to be something that people are looking for. Again, it's the people who are reading it, you know, whether or, or talking to you. You know, this is not about me. It's about them. Well, and to your point, so this idea that, you know, once you've kind of identified the people you want to work with, right, your mm -hmm. audience and the problems that they need to solve, right, that's kind of what your content tends to be driven by is mm -hmm. when you're writing, you're writing with these people often in mind and trying to help them solve their problems. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then that creates this quality thing. That's what you're really focused on is providing things that offer the people you've identified as your target market and your audience. You're bringing things to them that are going to help solve their problems or improve their situation in some way, right? Mm -hmm. So that makes it easier for you to then also connect with this audience right. and right. to deepen those connections, which is what then generates opportunities or leads. It's not, you know, this whole idea that you could just push out a piece of content and it's going to create a pipeline for you is, mm -hmm. is not realistic. It's a process, right? It has to be a process built over time. I mean, right. sometimes you might hit it, right, with luck and mm -hmm. like extraordinary luck and you'll get somebody who right at that moment needs help understanding social media, but odds are that's not really mm -hmm. the way it's going to be, right? It's by you showcasing some special insights you have or you're sharing results of something that they only dreamed about doing, right? Mm -hmm. Where then they can say, wow, Deb can really help me get there. I think Deb can show me how to do this with my business. But it takes time. And that's, again, you know, back to the networking thing, why you can't expect instant things out of these events. That's the wrong expectation to have. Mm -hmm. And that's the wrong goal to set. Right. Because you have to earn that. You have to establish mm -hmm. rapport. You have to make a connection. You have to start to build trust. And we can do that online today and we can mm -hmm. do that in person, right? Or as a result of an in-person introduction. Right. So right. it's really important that, you know, if you're really, if you're trying to do business today, that you understand that. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just in business, right? That's true of everything. Right. Whether you're on a yeah. PTA board, I mean, whatever, you don't just walk in and start swinging your weight around, you know, like mm -hmm. you have to earn respect and trust. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think too, today, I just want to add to this that, you know, you're not just a creator of content when you're developing case studies or videos. The idea of becoming a curator, right, is what I like to focus on with my clients. This idea right. of identifying content that maybe someone else wrote, uh -huh. but that offers amazing insight and or statistics that are really helpful, right, to help mm -hmm. change a perception about something. And that's something that more and more people, I think, would be uh, more aggressive with content marketing if they understood that that's an okay part of the process, right, sourcing mm -hmm. the content of others, whether you do that through Google Alerts, right, for everyone listening, if you've never set up a Google Alert, what I tell people is Google, Google Alerts. Right. So, and see how to do that and set some of those up for your subject matter, for what your thought leadership is around, um, for whatever industry, right? You want to stay on top mm -hmm. of industry news. And then look at hashtags too, right? Find mm -hmm. opportunities on social uh, of things you can share by doing searches on the hashtags and Twitter mm -hmm. and even on. You know, some people are still on Google Plus, not a lot, but there are some mm -hmm. people there, you know, that often you can find some good content, quality content to share with your audience as well. And people don't, you know, they like that. They like hearing other voices and, mm -hmm. um, and it's great. You know, I went through this with a VA that I was working with for a while and it was really an interesting experience because she was trying to automate as much of the 
content finding as she could, right? So she mm-hmm. was using a tool that's now defunct. It was acquired by some other company. But she was finding things that unfortunately, though, in some cases were from my direct competitors. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Who, you know, like, ooh, oops, wait, I, we don't want to post that. Why would we post that? And especially when mm-hmm. it's something that has a great headline, but it turns out to be all self-promotion and kind of link right. bait. Mm-hmm. And there were, you know, I would kind of let her go for a little bit. And then I went and did some auditing, you know, just looking at mm-hmm. some of the stuff that had been posted. And I was like, what is this? Right. And when I clicked on it and went through, it was clear that she'd never clicked on it and went through to see what mm-hmm. was really there. She was doing it, you know, in some of these platforms, some of the social media management tools do that. They suggest content, right? Well, mm-hmm. right. a good curator checks the content. They don't. Oh, always, always. Exactly. Well, I'm just, you know, we know this, but I want to yes. make sure this point gets across that mm-hmm. you can't really rely on those tools all the time. You have to have some auditing of this to make sure that it's the content you want to share. And sometimes I'll, I, you know, for a while I was looking for, because of my book, I was looking for anything online about networking events, right? Mm-hmm. So I would check it out. And, and sometimes I would find articles that had such contradictory advice, right? That mm-hmm. where they were telling people basically to toss business cards at other, you know what I mean? Like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. And uh-huh. I would say, oh, my God, thank God. That's where that woman learned to just go hand yeah. out her cards as fast <laughs> exactly as possible. Right. But so that idea of try, you know, you want to automate as much as you can, but make sure you're editing and auditing mm-hmm. what you're curating, right. because it's very easy to let stuff that isn't good slip in there. But mm-hmm. I don't ever want to discourage people, though, because there's tons of great content out there. Mm-hmm. You just have to make sure you check it. Right. Well, and you can use that as part of the discussion. You know, you can say, you know, this person, you know, for them, this method works. I, on the other hand, believe blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and so that is, you know, it's, it's a great thing. And, yes, and you know, you're the right. cool thing about curated content is, you know, it, it lightens the load, maybe is, is the easy way to put it. Because right. I think that the biggest drawback that people have of using social media is time. You know, they, they think it takes too much time and then they look at me and they say, and what do we write? What do we post? Right. And by having curated content, you're not doing it. Now, yes, you should read it. You should know what's going on, you know, and, and so that is going to take time, but you're not writing the article. You're not doing the research. You know, you're not having to keep up on all those trends because you're relying on somebody else to do it. And so, you know, what ratio do you think is, is good between curated content and then your own very specific stuff. Well, I think that I like to talk about an 80-20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. And first, let me just get this out. Because it's this idea that, you know, for every post that you or your business puts out there, let's just say there's four that are on industry trends, thought leadership. And that means that could include someone else's article. Uh-huh. Um, that you keep to just one, so four, right? And one uh-huh. post promoting something you're going to be doing, let's say. But within those four, I, do, I think it's completely up to you to figure out how much you want to be your own content versus right. another. I think that mm-hmm. some weeks maybe it's two and two, but some other weeks maybe you know, you were on a roll and you, you did a guest post here and a guest post there and you wrote your own post. So you might be sharing. And I'm Mm -hmm. saying that you can share your own stuff when it's quality information, content. Mm -hmm. So a blog post or or whatever. And the self-promotion is what you just want to keep a handle on that you keep Mm -hmm. it the 20%, right? Right. Where you say, oh, I'll be speaking at blah, blah, blah. Anybody interested should join me kind of a thing or promoting something that's coming up. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I have a lot of uh, friends that I'll do social posts for where Mm -hmm. I'm helping promote their stuff. Mm -hmm. And that I don't consider my own self-promotion, right? I consider that offering some valuable resources to people that, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who's really good at um, WordPress or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think that you have to put rules on this. Unless, and especially if you're not a writer, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about at the beginning, whether you're a writer or not, because I think that everyone has opinions and insights. So a lot of times what you're sharing is with your kind of label around it. As you said, mm-hmm. you can, you can even refer to somebody's contradictory article by just putting in a paragraph talking about, I came across this article, you know, I, didn't like this approach at all. And I'll tell you why, you know, Mm -hmm. and using that as your actual update or your post is Mm -hmm. about that. And, you know, you decide if you want to just pull a quote out of that not so great article, right. In your opinion, Mm -hmm. or you want to link to it. Cause a lot of times I won't link to it then. Like I don't want to give any traffic there, right. Because especially Uh if it's that bad, I'm like, I'm not Mm -hmm. sending traffic there. Let me just call out and I'll, name that person so they can Google it if they want to, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to have drive away traffic from my own site to mm-hmm. send them to something that I think is crap, you know, <laughs> so, right. but that's just me. So, mm-hmm. well, and you know, when, when we're talking about curated content, you know, you mentioned Google to, you know, and, and setting Google alerts, there are other things, there are other sources of content and curate or the content that's been curated. Also, I use smart brief. Um, and I love it because it's a free service, you know, anytime we possibly can, we want to use free and it's industry specific. So I get articles sent to me that are about social media because hello, that's what I care about. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, hundreds of, of different offerings. And the cool thing is, I'm not having to go find those articles because, you know, we only have 29 hours every day. So, you know, we have to figure out what we're going to do with those hours. And, you know, by by going to an actual content curator, that's going to free up that time. And and now I and there's, you know, there's lots of other sources for for all of this. And some of them are paid. Some of them are free. I always again, I always read the article, make sure it says what I want it to say. And, you know, I'm not going to go off on on you know, getting somebody the, the wrong information or sending them to somebody else to buy what they do. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it never fails. People come up to me and say, oh my gosh, you read so much because you share so mm-hmm. much. And it's like, no, I read my email once a day. Right. Um, you know, right. <laughs> but it's, you know, and, and it's, it's a great way to show that you are that expert. And for people that cringe at that word expert, that's, it's not a bad word. You want to be an expert because you want people to come to you. We want to work with experts. You know, we, you know I'm not going to go to a mechanic that said, well, you know, I worked on one or two of these cars. Right. I want to know I'm going to the expert in it. Right. Is he truly an expert? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, you know, we can all call ourselves experts. But the, the point is you want to come across as knowing what the heck you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And when you curate content from other sources, it is great to have some echoing of what you're espousing, right? Because it's just further proof that you do know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and you do understand this industry or this platform or this tool Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. So yeah, I think you're spot on with that, that there's many ways, like I use Google alerts because they, I can have those come into my inbox and they're scanning the whole web for things, right? right? And mm-hmm. and then I go and look in there when I need, when I know it's time to post mm-hmm. something on my, you know, I have a Facebook page for my book. So mm-hmm. I know when it's time to post there. And I usually do these manually. These aren't ones I have scheduled because I'm always looking for timely stuff, right? I, mm-hmm. Because I like right. to post events there too. So I post event, events from like all over the country. So I'll just, because I have people following the page that are from all over the U S so I will mm-hmm. just post those events there, but do it when I'm, you know, when I'm ready to do it, I don't right. have that automated in any way. Cause I'm, like mm-hmm. I said, I'm looking for timely stuff and posting that. So there's lots of different approaches. There's th- lots of different sources of that. Inf- I'm glad you mentioned mm-hmm. smart brief. And I think too, on LinkedIn today, there are some decent, articles being written and you can easily search on there as well Mm -hmm. for certain subjects that it's very easy to find some really good blog posts either from their influencers or from other people that are just subject matter experts Mm -hmm. right and that's something that I 
I talk about that a lot with my clients. I'm glad you brought that up. Just this idea about mm-hmm. just owning that, that you are a right. subject matter expert about this. I don't know anything about that. You know, you know tons about that, that it's okay mm-hmm. that you claim that and you own it. That's what people want is they want people right. that are confident in their knowledge, not wishy-washy mm-hmm. about it or, well, I sort of understand social, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay somebody who sort of understands. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I mean, just think, you know, well, well, wait a minute, you sort of understand how to pull my wisdom teeth? No, right. I don't think so. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you know, uh, yeah, it's it's so it's it's perfectly acceptable to be that expert. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I want to make sure we touched on, too, was just like because I get asked this a lot and I'm sure you do is just how much is enough? Right. Right. Because everybody and even I do sometimes I just want to do the bare minimum. Right. I just Mm want to do what I need to do to keep relevant and Mm -hmm. in the in the, you know, um, the Twitter sphere or whatever Uh to, Mm -hmm. to be. And there's some really good rules of thumb for this that are out there. And one of them is that, you know, if you post 20 times per month, you're going to reach at least 60 percent of your audience. Cool. So if you just make sure you post at least 20 things that you are very likely. Now, mind you, this varies on platform, right? Because we know Mm -hmm. that Twitter is just kind of like a hit or miss. Either you hit the person or not. And yes, sometimes people go back and look at your streams more closely or they'll look for the hashtags and find things. But overall, making sure you're doing that at least 20 times a month hitting 60% of your audience is pretty good, mm-hmm. right? That's probably better than most advertising statistics. Right. Oh, definitely. So I think that when people hear that, then they're like, oh, that's not that much. And it's like, no, right? That's four, five a week if you think about mm-hmm. it. So it's doable that this idea yeah. that you have to be a chronic curator is nuts. Like you just keep a certain level of it consistent and that you can manage, right, with your schedule. And like you said, use some of these tools that are out there. Don't mm-hmm. just try and do Google searches yourself. Right. You know, use the alerts, use Smart Brief, use, you know, Copy Blogger is a, a, a mm-hmm. great source of stuff about marketing and social media and content marketing. So there's lots of places you can find great stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you mentioned this when we started this part of this topic. How much is too much? You know, there, there's a minimum that we should meet. And, and, and yes, you, you, this, you do have to post. I mean, these folks that post once a month, you know, it's not going to work. Right. How much is too much? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever really come across a finite benchmark for that. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, it's going to depend on your audience. Exactly. And the platform, right? Because mm-hmm. like I said... Twitter. I mean, some oh. people tell you to post 10 times a day on Twitter. I know somebody who posts a hundred times a day yeah. and, and, and a lot of that is curated content. Mm-hmm. You know, as he's going through articles, he just hits the tweet button, you know, and, and all of those things. But, and he said, you know, he doesn't lose followers cause that's always to me kind of a good indicator is, you know, and, and, and he gets pretty good engagement, right? Um, you know, lots of retweets and, and things like that. But yeah, it's a hundred times a day. And I just, I thought, Oh, I, I don't hit that a month. (laughs) Yeah. And again, it's where's your audience? I mean, you said that Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't, most of my audience isn't always hanging out on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So it's just, and I think too, depending on your subject matter expertise category, Mm -hmm. sometimes that makes sense, right? Because especially if you're tweeting about social media, then putting a lot of content out there on that subject is perfectly fine because mm-hmm. people are always looking for more knowledge or right. it's just the nature of what that is. But if you're mm-hmm. tweeting about, or you're, let's say your subject matter expertise is leadership. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's a everyday category, let's say, right. That's a mm-hmm. subset of the population that is interested in that topic. Cause when, especially when you're a, a small business owner or solo entrepreneur, you're not really looking for that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And a, and a lot of employees aren't looking for it. I mean, it's just depends, right. That's a subject that it's just like, if you were 
tweeting about um, home repair, right? That's a very segmented mm -hmm. part of the market. And how often are those people online looking for content, right? Can B2B versus mm -hmm. B2C, business to business versus business to consumer. That's got different rules. You know, and, and again, it depends on who's reading this stuff. Right. You know, it's, and, and you do get some indication. If you're posting two times a day and you're getting a lot of engagement, well, then you might post three times a day and kind of see, you know, and, and, and then if engagement drops, well, maybe you've started to post too much and people are toning you out, um, you know, or, or unfollowing you or, you know, disliking the page or whatever it is that, you know, the, the medium is and, the, and that, that term, you know, watch those, watch those statistics. And, and then, you know, obviously it depends on time of day, you know, are you getting more engagement in the afternoon, in the, the evenings? If you're trying to reach moms, say that's your target market, posting at nine o'clock in the morning might not do as much as say 10 o'clock at night. Right. Um, you know, it's, it was funny many years ago, I worked for the American Cancer Society in Colorado and we had uh, a public service announcement. And this was back when uh, television stations were required by law to do a certain number of free spots for nonprofits. Right. And we had this great uh, little, little PSA that was targeting uh, it was it was a breast cancer awareness type of thing for new mothers. I mean, it was a very, very specific thing. And the station loved it that we were working with. And they said, oh, we want to run this during our news programs. We want to do this. And we want to do this. And I said, no. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I want it to run at 2 o'clock in the morning. And they were just baffled. I mean, their ad guy looked at me like, what the heck? And, you know, and all this. I said, that's when they're up. And that's when they're watching TV. Right. Because they're doing the 2 o'clock feeding there's nothing else to do besides sit there and watch TV. And we got terrific engagement out of it. Now, you know, that's where you know, scheduling tools now come in handy. Now, I'm not going to post a post at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to schedule it. Right. But, you know, it, it's, it's about knowing your audience. And I think that's one of the big things that so many people forget is they just jump online and they start posting. Right. You know, and they haven't figured out who they're posting for and what people want. And, you know, you can't curate content. You can't be writing posts if you don't know what people are wanting from you. Exactly. Well, and let's talk about that, right? Because it's how do you find that out? Uh-huh. So I, this is something that it depends on what stage you are in your business, right? Or in your uh -huh. um, project. But trying to find that out is what's key. And, and the best thing to do is to ask. Right. So, <laughs> It's, but it's so amazing, right? How many people don't really ask? We just try and mm -hmm. guess. And there's so many great tools for doing polls and things now. You mm -hmm. can ask and get immediate feedback mm -hmm. on, you know, what content do you find the most valuable from our Twitter stream, you know, asking things and, and then fine tuning what you're sharing as a result of that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's hugely important. And one thing too, I just wanted to mention is this idea of, also engaging with the people that are engaging with your stuff, right? right? We're talking We've about mentioned conversations, that, but we really want to talk about engaging. Yes, exactly. That it's really important. And of course you can't, it's sort of silly to comment for every like on something often because there's usually a lot, you know, depending mm -hmm. on what it is. Hopefully there's a lot. Yeah, hopefully there's a lot. But the idea is when somebody comments or does a share for you, let's say, mm -hmm. they retweet something. Like, it's really important to acknowledge those things. Mm -hmm. And too many people aren't doing that, right? And I just know this from my own clients that I'll often say, hey, I saw that comment that you got on that LinkedIn post. Are you going to write a, a you know, comment back to them? Or are you going to thank them? Like, oh, why? Yeah. Well, they they but, did? Right, exactly. I mean, I even... I write a comment when somebody shares something of mine, mm -hmm. especially on LinkedIn. I always, because LinkedIn lets you see statistics that show right. somebody shared it. Mm -hmm. I always go to their share of it and comment mm -hmm. and say, right. thank you so much for sharing mm -hmm. this. Because it's just a way to maintain that goodwill and to mm -hmm. what I, you know, create what I call good social karma. Mm -hmm. Right. Being a good social citizen is just showing gratitude and, and even dealing with the negative stuff, right? Just dealing mm -hmm. with that head on and 
uh, acknowledging a difference of opinion is really important Mm -hmm. too. You know, you don't have to like cater to it, but you definitely want to acknowledge it. And Mm -hmm. I found when I've had that happen in the past, um, I get all these other people rallied around me then. Right. And Mm -hmm. we're saying, yeah, you were absolutely right, Danny, that, that he, you know, he misunderstood and blah, 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 whatever. So it's a great way to build a lot of good social karma Mm-hmm. both ways right because well and and we love being thanked and acknowledged mm-hmm. you know so if if you know if, if i've shared one of your posts and you thank me for it i'm like ooh yeah. i can't wait for another one so that i can share it again and you know and and it's it is one of those things where it's it is the pay it forward thing you know if somebody acknowledges that they were appreciative well then i'm happy to help them again right you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that businesses miss out on. And it's funny because now I've noticed that, um, you know, Facebook, especially if you, you know, if people have commented on things, you can see sometimes a time frame, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, and so, you know, y- you want to do it and, you know, that's where people say, but I don't have time to do that. It doesn't take a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, folks, this is, this is a one time a day thing. You go and you look and, and you've got notifications for all this right. stuff. Exactly. So you know what's there. Check in once a day. Acknowledge that. Um, the worst thing is, you know, if you don't acknowledge it, you might annoy them or worse. Right. And, you know, I hate it when I've basically commented and my comment is along the lines of, hello, I would like to spend money with you. And they never acknowledge that. I'm like, okay, right. well, I'll find somebody else who will. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's kind of crazy. The things that it's money on the table, right. Is what mm-hmm. many people refer to it as that, that just I gets know. ignored. And I guess I just want to wrap on this by saying, you know, the best thing to do is to keep trying new things and testing right. different times a day, different topics, right. See if you can expand, um, you know, sometimes like I end up expanding into entrepreneurship because I find that so many of my clients and my audience are people that are either want to be entrepreneurs, right? They want to mm-hmm. start their own thing or they are just newbie startup type people that mm-hmm. are looking for help and insight from anywhere. They're really just trying to, you know, absorb as much much Mm -hmm. info as you're willing to share. So, but I wouldn't say those are my platforms, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. not an expert in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I just have my own experience with it Mm -hmm. and can often identify good articles about it and share those. And it's just this process of getting better and better at identifying what works best for your audience. Right. And catering to them. And, you know, sometimes we do all of us have something where we go off on some other soapbox. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's, I don't mind that sometimes from some people, right? Because it gives you another um, peek at their humanity, right? In terms Mm -hmm. of like, sometimes I have a friend who goes off about customer service because she's just had such a horrific experience at a brick and mortar store, right? Mm -hmm. Or something at an airport and I, they just crack me up. Like I love right. when she goes off on that topic because she's saying something that I've, you know, experienced or thought in the past as well as other mm-hmm. people. And sometimes that that actually is good for your engagement because it mm-hmm. it speaks to, to you being a human and not a uh, content searching robot who schedules everything. Right. Right. And it comes back to what we were talking about at the first, which is storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know, there's a reason we decided to do this as two parts because we just scratched the surface on all of this. Um, So before I tell people what we're going to be talking about next time, how do people find you and connect with you online? Well, best ways to find me are through my website, bellodomainmedia.com or find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter at Sandy JK and I am uh, pretty active on there. So Facebook too, right? I've got a couple of Facebook pages, but really if you want to get in touch with me, the best way is to go through my website and use my contact us form and let's connect. Perfect. Perfect. Well, as I mentioned at the start of the program, 
we're, this is a two-parter, and I've been talking with Sandy Jones-Kaminsky, and so next time, which is just next week, we're going to be talking about one of the ultimate forms of content creation for those brave enough to put their two cents out there. Ooh, I can't wait to hear about that. Mm-hmm. And five steps to writing a book from which to build a thought leadership platform on and around. And Sandy's going to share her own journey and experience in doing so, and excuse me, how it really elevated her brand and her business. So ponder on that. And next time, I'm Deb Creer. We'll be talking again with Sandy Joes Kaminsky. And I look forward to doing that. Everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to Deb Creer, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.